Welcome to Disciple Life, the Bible in Everyday Life, a podcast that aims to provide listeners with insights on how to live life as a disciple of Christ. This show tackles various topics such as how to grow in faith, deepen relationships with God and others, and serve others in a Christ-like manner. This is Disciple Life, the Bible in Everyday Life, and today we have here to at my side Pastor Dan Newberg, the senior pastor at First Baptist Divine, and I am your servant and brother in Jesus Christ. Carlos Garduño, and I happen to be his Huckleberry, or just his associate pastor. Uh, today we want to discuss what we've learned yesterday, which if you are an outdoorsman or outdoors woman, uh, woman, I should say, you would see that it was very well themed for someone in that particular... Fishing. Yeah. Fishing. Let's go fishing. Let's, let's, go, let's go fishing. So, it's... I mean, it's simple, really. I, I don't think we need to complicate it, but I do want to go more into the application of that, if it's okay with you. Yeah. As to, let's let's go for the that low-hanging fruit. Why with Jesus, as we see through the Gospel of Luke, um, we see that he is inviting people to do things and to view the Gospel life, kingdom life, in terms of things that would resonate with us. Why, why would he do that? Um, if this is such a, a special message, salvation through him, the fact that he, the gospel is to uh, redeem, to restore, to bandage up, and to give new life to those who are sick, death, dying, and in darkness, why would he use such mundane metaphors, such as fishing? Oh, why would he communicate in those terms? Yes. Uh, he would do that so we can grasp on to what, what it is he's actually saying. Um, so we can visualize and take and apply what God in his word is communicating. Right. Um, so it makes, it, it's not, when Jesus speaks, when God speaks, there's not some like lofty high in the sky, although there's great depth to what, what, what God is communicating um, to us. But what he God doesn't want to be confusing. Uh, God doesn't want to be misunderstood in what he's saying. And so he'll <clears throat> use those, those images, those illustrations that um, every person throughout the generations and ages would be able to understand and uh, be able to, to grab onto and be able to apply in their life. Mm. So, I mean, even for somebody, I mean, yeah, I, I know you started with, you know, for the outdoors person, you know, that there was some something that may have resonated, but even the non-outdoors person understands conceptually what fishing means, right? Um, One can only pray and hope. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the uh, and I and I mean that I'm making a very general statement when I say that, but yeah, um, I think most people understand the concept of fishing that you're casting a line or a lure or a net or something with the hopes of catching uh, something that's within the water that you may not necessarily see, but you're intended on catching. Right. Um, just to humble myself, if you, the only correlation I have to fishing is going on a canoe and in the middle of the Freer River, flipping said canoe while trying to fish so when you saying let's go fishing for me it's like let's go drowning let, let let's let's go do some like my worst boating experience <laughs> kind of like okay but 
that's just me, and I'm not trying to say that I'm the I'm I'm very much the exception. Uh, however, one of the things that I really enjoy is seeing how the gospel to to what you just said, and I think it's a very important point for people to grasp, is not the loft the lofty language that uh, Jesus is per particularly honing on, but the depth of what he's communicating in terms that we can relate to. Mm -hmm. Because I think for, I, I, I would think for a lot of people, uh, when you talk about things of eternal uh, merit and eternal heftiness, such as the gospel, we tend to think that, oh, well, that's for those who have studied. Those, yeah. That's for those. That's for the pastors, the, the missionaries, the ministers. Yeah. Um, and I like the fact that you are very intentionally saying that the gospel is communicated in the depth of a very basic message. Yeah. And so I think that's something that hopefully the audience grasps onto as a source of hope. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, um, how do we see, walk us through the scene? Uh, here in chapter 5, the verse 11 verses. So Jesus is teaching on a shoreline of a pretty significant lake in the region that uh, that he's doing ministry in. Um, and there is now a following working around him. And so even though he's in a, in a bit of a remote area in the sense that this lake doesn't have like an immediate city built around it, uh, these folks have followed him into this primitive space, um, and they have sequestered him in such a way that he's now along this shoreline beginning to to teach the Word of God to a number of people who are kind of just like almost backing him into the water, right? They're just kind of, the uh, Luke says that they were pressing in on him. Um, and at that, the um, this pressing in moment, there's already a couple of boats that have come in from their night's effort in trying to go fishing. And um, so Jesus takes it upon himself, uh, I can imagine, just to, to create some, some space for him to be able to draw air and breathe, um, where he steps into one of the boats that are there just on the shore um, and uh, uh, gives a little bit of a buffer, if you will. And the, um, the, the, what happens is Jesus eventually asks the, the, the main person, the captain of the boat, so to say, hey, can you put the, the boat out just away from the water? Um, not, not so far as that they're intending to fish at this point, but just to create a little bit of breathing room for those who've been pressing in on him. And Jesus sits in the boat. And he begins to teach the people who were on the shoreline sure. from the boat. Um, and interestingly enough, Luke doesn't tell us what he taught. Um, doesn't tell us the text or the, the lesson uh, that, that he was communicating to those people there. Um, because the point of what Luke is led of the Spirit of God to record is not what Jesus spoke there, but what Jesus is doing and interacting with the person on the boat with him, whose name is Peter, or um, who's also is known as Simon. And so uh, he's instructed Simon, hey, push, push the boat out from the water just away. And uh, once the teaching has finished, he says, you know, Simon, what I want you to do right now is to put the boat back out into the, the deep water and cast your net. Mm. And Peter, you know, in the midst of all of this hustle about people who are 
pressing in on Jesus, Jesus stepping into the boat, creating a little bit of a buffer, the boat coming out from the immediacy of the shoreline. You know, Peter's been probably really frustrated um, hmm. because he's he's been fishing all night. He is a professional fisherman, so this is how he puts food on his table, um, literally in terms of what he might have caught, but also in what he's caught and is able to sell at the market. And so he went out to work and didn't earn a paycheck. Uh, and so as this whole scene starts, you know, he's likely very frustrated at the uh, failure uh, vocationally that day. And so all he's doing is cleaning his nets. Jesus gets into the boat and he's like, well, maybe and the, he's aware of who Jesus is. He's I've been following the, the, this Jesus character ever since um, at least Jesus uh, went to his home. And we see that in chapter four, by the way. Um, and so he gets in the boat with him. They push out. And now Jesus is saying, hey, those nets that you just finished cleaning, throw them overboard. Throw them overboard. <laughs> um, and Simon, Peter, is is got to be thinking a few things, but verbalizes one thing. Um, he, he, he speaks to the, the toil that he and his co-laborers had in their attempt to fish overnight. Like it's, not, it's not for a lack of effort, you know, kind of thing. Um, and he's communicating that his, the, the best opportunity to actually catch is gone because now it's in the midst of day um, and catching fish you're going to be successful at night through the means by which they're trying to fish. They're, they're typically or historically, one measure of fishing in this day would have seen a large net that was held in one, a, a large net that was that would span the distance between two boats, and they would be weighted on the bottom, and the boats would you know move in a certain direction. In the course of dragging that net, they would catch fish. Well. The uh, prime hour has long passed. Um, he's tired. I mean, when I work, I get hungry. He's probably hungry. Um, he doesn't want to have to clean the nets again. So he says, you know, we just tried this, right? And and Jesus, and, but then Simon says, but at your word, I will. So he does it. And immediately there are fish in that net. Busting out the seams. Busting it. So, yeah, stretching the limits of this net, so to say. So as uh, Simon Peter begins to pull the nets up into the boat, he quickly calls for help for them, for that second boat that was fishing with him to come and help pull the net up. And there's so much fish that they haul up that it, it exceeds the capacity of one boat and, in fact, fills the second boat. Um, it's probably fair to say that that was their best fishing day ever. Um, and um, that's kind of the scene that goes on there. So through in, in the course of the sermon yesterday, you lead us into seeing how every person, not just those who worship at First Baptist Divine, but anyone who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord, anyone who confesses to be an Orthodox Christian, is called to be a, a, fisher of, a fisher of men. Yeah, because you see a professional fisherman being told by a carpenter's son how to fish. Uh, Talk and, about the irony. And... Um, and in the midst of that, or at the conclusion of that, 
Jesus says to Simon Peter, from now on, you will be a fisher of men. Um, that's a particular call that is extended from God to Simon Peter to do a specific evangelistic missional ministry is how we would describe it today. But every person who has been redeemed by Jesus Christ is called to do such ministry. Um, it may not be that we're called in a similar way like Simon Peter to, um, to go about regions and, um, and preach messages to the lost. It's some sort of revival or something like that. But in wherever God and His sovereignty has placed us in this world, and through the, the gifts that he has uh, endowed us with and with the um, talents that we have and the education that we have and the trade and skills that we have, all of these things become embodied. They become part of who we are. And God has seen fit to say that if we are a mechanic, if we are a fireman, if we are a doctor, if we are a lawyer, if we are a software engineer, you name it, all of those things God can take and use in everyday people to bear witness, to speak about Jesus mm. to others. Um, so right now you're listening to two guys who believe uh, very strongly um, that God has called us to do uh, gospel ministry full time. Um, for me, that was not always my story. Um, that has become part of my life story, so to say, where I was I was called out of a IT profession. Um, but I will tell you that when I when I worked in IT. Um, doing software engineering, it's not like my my Christianity hat got set aside. Mm -hmm. um, what I found is that in the in those office spaces in which I worked and with the individuals I interacted with, there was always opportunity for gospel conversations to occur. So that um, I I began to view. Uh, as I matured in my faith, everybody that I worked with, every salesperson who I spoke with and interacted with, any person, as someone whom God had seen fit to place in my life, and I prayed for doors to open so that I might be able to, to share my faith with them. And that's true of everybody listening. If, if you have uh, mm. been saved by Christ, um, you may not be full-time ministers um, like we are. And yet... Um, God is still, uh, God still intends to use you for his kingdom. He has a purpose for you uh, in his kingdom, and that is wherever you're living life, um, whatever you're doing for employment, whatever that is, he's looking for you to fish for men and women um, because that's what he intends for each of us to do. Sure. And I think that was a very clear point in, in the message. And I think to be very, and I do not want to offend anyone, you would have to be very spiritually blind to not see that in, in, in the narrative of Scripture, especially in the New Testament, where it's not just the, Jew, the Jewish people who are now called to go and 
present the gospel, but even the Gentiles, which anyone who's not Jewish, welcome to the Gentile family, we are also called to go do that. We would have to be extremely blind to not see that interwoven into the redemption story. So let me ask you a question, and I think this is where we can have fun, and it, it's still very much related to this. How do we prepare fishermen? Going with that line of thought, how, wh what is the role of the church in preparing those fishermen and families? And I mean, how do we prepare fishermen holistically? So the first thing is we prepare fishermen by catching fish. Um, Which, I'm sorry to interrupt, tell us about the difference between catching fish and catching men, because that was a wonderful point that you made towards the end of the sermon. Um, Okay, but so now now you require me to clarify my language. Um, so we, we prepare fishermen by catching men. And mm -hmm. let, let me just say that that way. I was trying to stick with the theme here. Um, but we prepare fishermen by catching men and women. So as to say that um, part of the the training is begins with winning people to Christ. That that we present and share faith with the lost so that they come to know Christ. That's, that's where the, the training begins in the fact that the Spirit has done a work so as to draw someone to the Son and convert that person to give them life, to give them a new heart. Um, to They were once dead in their trespasses. They're now born again. Um, so that, that training experience starts with just the sheer fact that God has made you alive. Um, and so in that, you, you become aware if God has, has, if you have not decided to follow Jesus, as we sometimes sing, but um, that you've actually been made alive um, by, by God, that you, um, you become aware of the holiness of God and the dreadfulness of your sin. Um, and so you become instantly a witness to your need and dependency upon this holy and righteous God to overcome and overwhelm the depth of your depravity and sin so that you can speak to his grace and his love and mm. his mercy. Um, so that that's that's critical, right? That... Um, that's that's like the first thing is actually being converted, not deciding. Um, it's 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 actually being born again. Um, I can't make that happen for anybody. Mm -mm. Um, I just can't. But when that happens, that's that's like step one is okay. that that the church has been fishing. In that. Um, it's then the the course of sharing it, it, it participation in body life, be it worship, Bible study, fellowship with others that as you begin to make sense, uh, just like a newborn child does, begins to make sense of life and get their bearings on, you know, these are fingers and those are toes and these are ears and this is my nose that, um, that the, the new Christian who's been born again begins to have their actual sight and hearing and heart attuned to God. 
um, so that we see with greater clarity, we hear with distinctiveness, that our 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 heart's desires are grown in the uh, in conformity with God's desire, um, and that comes by living in in and uh, fellowshipping with other born-again believers because hmm. there's that there's that disorientation that comes with birth right um, that you, you need to be nurtured through those those infancy stages um, so you get those bearings um, so um, for the, the the rogue spiritualist who wants to just literally fish and worship God that's not a that's not a picture that you have from from scripture about a, a genuine Christian life. That's probably someone who has decided to follow Jesus and is, um, has made an image of God out of their own mind uh, that is not the God that is revealed to us in scripture. Um, right. So, um, and in the course of that, that uh, sense bearing that the body provides to, to the newborn Christian or the born-again Christian, there, there become um, there becomes the application of truths for every individual Christian in that that when we're born again the Spirit of God uh, resides within us the Spirit of God gives us at least one gift that is a supernatural power that enables us um, by God's power to point others to Jesus um, that might be gifts of hospitality, that might be gifts of speaking, that might be gifts of teaching, that might be gifts of generosity, whatever that those things are. So we begin to discern what our gifts are. So we understand our place in uh, God's kingdom. And so um, we begin to bear witness as we work through the supernatural empowerment of God's spirit to point others to Jesus. There you go. Um, and that, that all happens because you've truly been converted to be a child of God by the Spirit of God and amidst the body of Christ, the church, things begin to uh, support you so that just like an infant you learn how to go from scooting to crawling to walking to running, so to say. Hmm. Okay. So if if we are to do these things effectively and we are in 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 very simple terms we are living by obedience founded on faith then how does that impact our family life how does that impact the way that we carry out in the public square because I don't think we need to call it secular because it's not meant to be secular but how do we go how do how does that impact the way that we carry our faith publicly if we're being obedient to the Word of God in becoming fishers of men um, because I think we, we, we can we can concede because we see this every day especially in the news cycles that there's a real clash between Orthodox Christianity and its tenets and other aspects of, of culture and society. 
So the one that's far very evident lately is Orthodox Christianity, Biblical Christianity, and LGBTQ+. Biblical Christianity and you name it, uh, identity issues beyond even the sexuality component. Um, how, how does that then impact with those, just those as examples, how does becoming a fisherman of men for the kingdom of heaven impact the way that we carry our faith into those public spaces where there's real animosity and conflict at times with Christianity? So I think what you'll find... Um, is that in a what what we would call an increasingly polarized um, society, where you have one extreme and another extreme on any subject, um, what is true about many of those um, dichotomies is that there is there are voices that are shouting their opinion their perspective, their view, but nobody's listening. Mm. Um, and I believe that you will find that the converted Christian who is led of the Spirit will be at those tables in the public square of debate and are applying the Word of God that would say that we would listen far more than we speak. And what, what I'm getting to right now is that when we're having these LGBTQ plus or identity or whatever the, the hot button issue of the day um, issue is, uh, debate is, is that well-meaning Christians in, in the public square want to actually enter into that debate and in love and grace and truth speak into that but they know that they don't have a right to shout into that. Mm. Um, but that because we bear witness to the one who is going to come and set all things right and make all things new, and in the new creation, everything will be fully subjected to him and everything will be right versus the fallenness of this, mm. this world. They're going to in that love and grace speak truth but they will desire genuine conversation about this um, and I think that that becomes a, a point of distinction or a marker of how uh, what is unique about the Christian today and I realize that there are those who, who wear the the label Christian who are just as divisive um, mm. uh, and and I would say pray for them, um, but I, I, you know, personal application. Um, I'm very happy to always converse with anybody about whatever subject there is, and I'm not intending to enter into any conversation just to project, just to uh, put a thumb and squash somebody, but just to speak the truth that is the Word of God, the only truth that there is, not my truth, and do so in love and grace while also listening in love and grace. Mm. Um, I think that that becomes one aspect of taking the faith out in the public square. Um, it's not just saying, you know, this is the, I'm holding up a Bible for those who are listening, this is the Word of God, and then beating someone over the head with it. Right. Um, it is the Word of God. 
um, I, I, I know that this is what God has said. It is God's holy word. I do not take it lightly. Sure. Um, but in that, I also know that every other human being that I interact with is made in God's image. Right. And so they are worthy of dignity and honor and respect. Um, and if there are aspects to their perspectives that are clearly anti-gospel, um, I'm seeking an inroad, so to say, or an open door to fish for them, to mm. win them to the Savior. And if I'm just, frankly, a jerk when I go about that, then I do nothing that, in terms of effectiveness for the kingdom. Which resonates with what Paul writes to the Corinthians, if I have the great eloquence, if I, you know, if I can speak in tongues and do all these wonderful signs, but have no love. Yeah. I am like a clashing cymbal, yeah. a noisy gong. Yeah, so if there's, if, if, if at the end of the conversation we, we, I'm, I'm in debate with somebody and there is just obviously no middle ground, which when we're talking about the Word of God and, and, and anything that is not, there is no middle ground. Don't hear me on this, but just to say that we're going to end the, a conversation in utter disagreement. My hope is that there would at least be a sentiment in the sense that that guy loves me. That guy was gracious towards me. And I'm curious about where that comes from in shaping his character. Mm. Or whatever those little seed plants might be. Um, not because I want somebody to have some sense about who I am. But I want, I ultimately want the door to be opened to for me to have the ability to speak into who has shaped me. Who has given an identity to me, um, who has redeemed me, um, who has made me whole. I'm looking for that with everybody. Sure. Okay. Um, closing thought. I really enjoy the encouragement you gave the congregation and those who are listening online, and I think it's important to close this episode with this. Um, it's a centrality of who gives the increase. Yeah. Or, as you said, it's the multiply. Yeah, that was that's the actual quote you said. Who gives a multiply, in the catch of fish? Uh, would you just share that with us again to encourage? Yeah, this those... is an encouragement to to every Christian listening. Um, I'm going to tell this a, a little bit of an example of a story. Um, one of the initiatives of this church is we are making an effort to take the gospel to every home in our immediate municipality. And um, there are a lot of encouraged people uh, who are very faithful in showing up whenever we go out and do this. And I, am, I thank God for that. And a, a reminder to what Pastor Carlos is speaking about is that in the course of our zeal, our zealousness, our fervor for the Lord because we love Christ and we want others to know him so that they love him too. Um, we, we want others to come to faith. Sure. Um, and so we're knocking on doors. Very, very old school evangelism, sharing our faith thing. Um, not many doors are open. This past weekend when we went, um, we visited 170 homes, 40 doors open. 
ish. Um, the rest of them were closed. Um, out of the 40, out of the 40, how many, however many conversations, I don't know. Um, uh, I, I know that there was one, one particular home where I didn't even get to the doorstep to knock where the door opened and the homeowner said, what do you want? And I tried to introduce myself and he says, I don't want you here. And he closed the door. Um, in a rather forceful manner, probably. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, it, it's part of it. Okay? Sure. Part of sharing your faith. If, if you had any illustrious idea of what sharing your faith involves, you're going to get some extreme responses. Read the book of Acts. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and so start growing your thick skin now. Um, but in that, that effort of visiting those 170 homes, all that we, all that God expected of us in terms of the team that went was to show up. Um, to show up. So much in life, uh, if you just want a self-help thought right now, so much in life is, is like, in, involves just showing up. Um, but in terms of sharing our faith, being, becoming fishers of men, showing up is what God expects of us. Um, the rest of it is on God. So that, so as to say that even though 130 of those doors never opened, folks weren't home or they looked through the window, didn't want to open the door, we left a goodie bag. Right. Uh, we left information that would communicate God loves you to every homeowner and uh one lady uh one lady who we did get a conversation with um welcomed the the bag that we gave to her and then we made it a few homes down and she comes driving up and she says one of the things in the bag is a is a stress ball that has our church's information on it she says you know my grandson i have another grandson who would love a stress ball i said can i have one and i said you can have the whole bag um I mean, the bags aren't free, right? That's part of some of the faithfulness monetarily of our congregation that affords us the ability to go buy these things. Thank you, church family, for this. Um, I gave a bag. Uh, I mean, we're, we, we are trying to do one bag per home, but this lady's grandson wanted a stress ball. Um, gave it. I ultimately do not know and have no expectation that I will ever know what God can do with a stress ball <laughs> in the life of a young boy. Right. I do not know. I have no expectation that I will ever know if it has any effect at all. But I do know this. I know that God in, in the receipt of that stress ball into that young boy's hand, God can imprint something right. in his life that either by the, the name of the church, um, something that would make a positive impression upon that young boy so that when he comes to the place of brokenness in his life, whether he's still in divine, or he's in Timbuktu, that he's going to potentially remember that there was these Christian people who gave him a stress ball. Sure. 
And they did that because they said they did it in Jesus' name and because they loved him. That God loves him. See, ultimately, well, all that we had to do was show up to go and do this work. Whether the door opens, whether there's a conversation, whether there's just somebody who comes by a few hours later and picks up the bag, whatever comes from the attempt to share our faith is not on us. Right. Um, we don't have to be eloquent speakers. We don't have to be persuasive. What we need to be are witnesses who speak to the goodness of God um, and the love of God and the need that we each have for God and eternal things. Mm. Um, and the rest is what God does within that, that recipient, within that listener, to till the ground of their hearts, to make it fertile soil, so as to receive the king, uh, the, the, the seed of the kingdom, so that they too might come to faith and be born again. That's all up to God. Um, so I encourage those who may be struggling. First, I encourage you, come with us when we go out and do this, if you're a member of the church. Um, but and beyond that, I encourage you and wherever wherever life's road has taken you, whatever you're doing in work, or whether or even if you're not working right now, um, whether you're a teen who's listening or you are in your eighth or ninth decade, point others to Jesus. Show up. Tell them about the goodness of God. Mm. Tell them about the love of God. Um, tell them about the Christ who you are depending upon. Um, and leave the rest to God. Thank you for listening to Disciple Life, the Bible in everyday life with pastors Carlos Garduño and Dan Newberg. We encourage you to send any questions for the podcast to info at fbcdivine.org or by commenting on the audio platform of your choice. We look forward to engaging with your questions during future episodes.